give it up for Kathy Woodard. That was Kathy. Man, how do you preach after that? Wow. I'll tell you how you preach. Long, long sermon. Amen. Um, can we give it up for our media department? Let's don't forget those guys. Man, I tell you, they, uh, they make church not boring, don't they? And I just love them and uh, Pastor Jared on the graphics and Travis and Steve leading our team, Mitchell Grantham back there and training uh, new volunteers. And there's always, if you, if you want to serve in the media ministry, we always have an opening in the media ministry. So uh, guys, we love you and we appreciate you, Anthony. Um, he is our resident computer nerd and we love him for being that. And uh, when he hits it big like um, uh, Bill Gates, we just want him to remember where he went to Royal Rangers. Amen? Amen. Well, this is the final sermon in our series on discernment. So I want to encourage you to uh, use the little space in your worship program to take some notes. We're going to give you some passages of Scripture today that we're not going to necessarily read in detail and go into in detail, but you're going to want to study them on your own um, when you uh, have your quiet time. Hey, don't forget, guys, anybody who wants my sermon notes, all you have to do is send me an uh, email, feral at whitleychurch.com, and request the sermon notes. I'll be glad to send you the very notes that I use up here. And uh, if you get to me right after the second service when I'm finished, I'll give you these notes. But I only have one copy, so first come, first serve, and they're $25. All right. Um, the big question that we ask as we come to the end of this series is, I mean, we've kind of, dis, you know, we, we've defined discernment. Uh, we've talked about the importance of discernment. We've shown you through the Bible how essential it is that you are a discerning Christian, a discerning follower of Jesus. We have established that, I think, very well. We could, uh, we could actually uh, continue to preach on this topic for another four weeks. It is just that rich, and uh, it, it, we, we really have only scratched the surface. But we come to a big question today that I want to leave you with, and that is, how can I become a discerning Christian? How can I become a discerning Christian? And I'm going to give you four very simple things. They're very simple. As a matter of fact, when I say them, they're not going to be profound at all, but they are the recipe for you becoming a discerning Christian. Now, let's talk about very quickly uh, a, a uh, definition of discernment. Um, when we talk about discernment in church, we are talking about a divine ability, a, a grace ability. The word grace uh, doesn't always mean exactly the same thing in the Bible. Uh, there are different Greek words and different Hebrew words that are defined as grace or interpreted rather as grace. And the grace that I'm talking about is a gift, a divine enablement. That's what discernment is, a divine, God-given ability. You can't, you can't um, become a discerner apart from him. Uh, so, so it is in him. Now, once you have that ability at any level, you can develop it. You can develop that ability. As a matter of fact, guys, all of you have gifts, and your gift may not be discernment. You may have a gift in some other area, but your gift can be developed. It can be um, uh, somebody said it this way, the first thing you need to do is discover your gift, then you need to develop your gift, and then you need to deploy your gift. You need to discover what it is, and we have a class for that called 301, and I hope there will be a lot of people in that class coming up here before too long, where we will help you find out what your gift is. Then you want to develop that gift, and then you want to use it. You want to deploy that gift, okay? So we're going to talk today about um, how to become a discerning Christian. Now, you remember I told you there are three levels of discernment. There is natural discernment. That is an ability uh, to evaluate a person, 
that you meet, evaluate a situation, evaluate circumstances, evaluate, listen to this, information that's given to you, and you're able to tell even from a natural perspective whether what you're hearing is true or not, whether what you're hearing, what, you, what the situation you're involved in, you're able to assess it accurately in a very short period of time. And in the natural, we've got words for that. It's called logic. It's called common sense. It's called reasoning. And God gives us that uh, just as human beings, even though we're not following him or serving him, we all have a level of discernment. Now, some people look like they don't have any discernment, don't they? Amen? Isn't that the truth? But they all come to the second service, so y'all don't worry about that part. Um, Then, the discernment that we're talking primarily about is the next level, and that is discernment that comes after you accept Christ into your heart. And the Holy Spirit comes in and works the work of salvation and redemption and your sins are forgiven and washed away and you understand that you're not worthy of his forgiveness and you understand that your sin is an offense to God and that he died on the cross in your place, substitutionary death on the cross. They buried him three days later. He rose from the dead. You believe that. You believe it was for you and you receive the risen Jesus into your heart for forgiveness of sin, to make you right with God and sit down on the throne of your heart and not just be your Savior, but be your Lord. He wants to be your Lord. He's not interested in just being a ticket to heaven. He wants to be Lord of your life on this earth. So when you become a Christian, a true follower of Jesus, by being born again, being saved, to use some Christianese, when you are justified, redeemed, saved, and you are made right with God, you receive a supernatural ability of discernment. So that is up, of course, from the natural. But then the Bible talks about, we won't talk about this long, because it's not what we're teaching here. Some people have a spiritual gift of discernment, and that's an HNL, and HNL stands for whole nother level, exactly. And so some people have the gift of discernment, but all Christians have a level of discernment that is supernatural. Y'all with me? Now, we know, let me give you another example of that. Some people have the gift of intercession. That is the gift of prayer. They can pray for long periods of time and they love it and the longer they pray and the deeper they pray, it is just a joy for them, a pleasure for them. They are only fulfilled when they are praying and that, those people have the gift of intercession. But how many Christians ought to pray? All Christians, okay? So some people have the gift of discernment, but how many Christians have discernment? All Christians, okay? Good. All right, so how do I become a discerning Christian? How do I work this discernment muscle and get it strong, like these guns right here? Amen? (laughs) Y'all laughed way too quick on that. Number one, number one is desire. Desire. You have to want it. How badly do you want to be a discerning person? Are you willing to go for it? Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to do the work to become a discerning person? How important is discernment to you? Because the answer to this question separates the men from the boys and the women from the girls. Proverbs 2, just write that down in your notes. Proverbs 2. Proverbs 2 is all about wisdom. It is all about understanding, and I don't mean wisdom, worldly wisdom. I mean supernatural, God-given. So Proverbs 2 is all about God-given understanding, God-given wisdom, God-given discernment. It's all about knowing the mind of God. So if you want to study a chapter in the Bible that's all about discernment, wisdom, understanding, knowing the mind of God, dig in to Proverbs 2. Dig in. It's not just a chapter that's about the truth of God and how to recognize it. But Proverbs 2 is really about loving the knowledge of God. Loving it. 
Loving to gain understanding that you do not have. Loving to gain the ability to interpret Scripture at another level, at a higher level in your life. Just loving, I mean, getting more excited about discovering something deeper in the Scriptures than you would be excited about discovering $1,000 you didn't know you had. And that would take a lot in this economy. But I'm telling you, you can come to a place where it is more precious to you to learn something new from the Bible that you didn't know than it would be to find $1,000. As a matter of fact, he talks about this, and we're going to look at it over in the book of Job in just a minute. Let's go to Proverbs, though. and Let's look at chapter 2, and let's look at the first two verses. He talks about the desire for discernment here. He says, my son, actually what he's saying there is my child, because we know that he's not just talking to men. He's not just talking to, to male gender. He's talking to, to, uh, to everyone here. This, this relates to everyone as it applies to us. My son, if you will receive my sayings. When we read the Bible, we are reading the sayings of God. If you will receive my sayings, and here it is, and what? Treasure. Do you treasure the Bible? Do you treasure the Word of God? Do you treasure the truth? Treasure, desire my commandments, that they be not something that are, you know, books spread out on a table that I just study and learn, but they be where? Within. Within. I want them in me. See, because it isn't until you get the truth in you that your behavior changes and you become like Jesus, which is the whole goal of everything. Whether you are going through a terrible, terrible time right now or a wonderful, wonderful time right now in your life or whether you're somewhere in the middle, everything you face every day of your life, if you respond to it as God would have you to respond to it, you will be more like him when you come out of that. You remember when Job got in his big mess? He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He said, and when I come out of this, I will be like pure gold tried in the fire. Did you know pure gold is actually transparent? Pure gold is transparent. You can see through it. And he says, when God gets through with me, and even though this is a hellish time in my life, he said, when God is finished, if I will react correctly during this difficult time, if I will respond to him in faith and trust, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how rough it gets, if I will respond to him in faith and trust, when this is all over, I'll be more like him. And ladies and gentlemen, that is what it's all about. It's all, it, listen, this is going to be just for my mature Christians here. He is not interested in making you happy. He is interested primarily in making you healthy spiritually. I love those happy times. And, and we can go to a lot of churches and hear a lot of preachers preach, and you will think, you know, that all God wants to do is make everybody happy. God wants you to go through whatever you need to go through so you will be more like him. And when he comes to receive us to himself one day, he will find us ready. Amen, amen? So he says, and treasure, desire my commandments within you. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. See, something's got to happen in you that makes you say, I want to know God's truth. Did you know you can pray for a hunger? You can pray for more desire? See, some of you sitting out here listening to me, you struggle to pray. You struggle to pray. Well, guess what? So does your pastor. Y'all all look so holy right now, I'm telling you. Little halos just popped up all over the church. I struggle to pray. So you know what I pray when I pray? I say, God, Help me love prayer more. Help me think about prayer more often. Remind me to pray more often. Amen, amen. amen. 
pray whatever you're lacking in desire, whatever your yearnings are. If they're not godly, say, God, curb that appetite and increase this appetite. He will hear your prayer and answer you. If you have an appetite for something that's pulling you away from God, ask God to take it. Take it from you. Sanctify you. And then pray, God, these things over here that I really, God, it just, I, I, I don't really enjoy it. It's kind of boring. I, it's not my thing. God, I know that you want me to do that. Will you turn my heart and give me great pleasure in doing these things? God will turn your heart. He won't do it overnight. It's a process. But pray for that. Something's got to happen in you where you say, I want his word so, so much. I want, I want it in me so that I can honor him with the way I live. So I can honor him by getting truth. Watch this now. I want to honor him by getting truth and believing it. Because see, if you believe it, you'll do it. I want to get his truth in me and I want to believe it because that will honor him. Don't you love it when your kids actually believe what you tell them? Don't you love it when, when you hear your kids talking to another child or you hear your kids talking to each other and they say, Mommy doesn't like that, Daddy doesn't like that, we're not supposed to do that because if we do that, this might happen, we might get hurt and you're over here listening to that. Doesn't your heart swell with pride? And see, when God looks down, he's a daddy. And when he sees us saying those things and, and then walking it out and living it out, it just blesses his heart. Did you know you can bless the Lord? Man, what a great idea. I mean, he, he's pretty good at blessing me. I can bless him with my obedience and my love and my faith. I want to know his word so I can proclaim it accurately. Not just proclaim it, but, but proclaim it how? Accurately with precision. We all know God's pleased when we do what he says. We all know God's pleased when we obey him. But let me just tell you something you may not know. God is also equally pleased when you study his word and understand it and get that truth in you because the more you love his word, study his word, understand his word, the happier you make him. He's a daddy. So to get discernment, we start with an unquenchable desire to absorb and accurately interpret the truth, which is the word of God. Write this down in your notes, and then you can go home and study it later. But in Job 28, Job 28, Job teaches that if you want wisdom, if you desire wisdom, then you have to be willing to mine for it the way men mine for gold, the way men mine for precious, precious gems and precious metals. I got to tell you something, and this is kind of a little bit off track right here, but I got to studying Job 28, and I was really kind of going to dive off into that, but I really needed to stay on track, and I would encourage you to just study that chapter. You know, Job's one of the earliest books in the Bible written. As a matter of fact, Job, his time when he lived is really very, very, very early on in the history of the world. But he talks here about drilling down into the earth. I just think that's so interesting. He talks about smelting, which we thought was a more advanced process. I just think that's really cool. I wonder how advanced they were back in Job's day. It may surprise us. But he talks about mining for gold and silver and sapphires. He says, if you will give yourself to the pursuit of wisdom, the pursuit of knowledge, if you will give yourself to the pursuit of that, the way men give themselves to the pursuit of gold, he said, you will become a discerning Christian. And why is that important? Listen very carefully. Discernment will lead to greater worship. Anybody here want to be a, a, a better worshiper? A deeper worshiper? Anybody want to get better at worship? Well, it's not, you go, well, you know, I want to be a better worshiper, so let me get my hands just a little bit higher. Maybe get moving like pastor. That'll make me aggressive. Not many pastors did that right there in their church this morning. It's not about that, guys. It's about that. It's about that. I, I move around when I worship. The people who sit behind me, I know they're going, well, he's going to go off one Sunday. He's just going to go off, turn chairs over. I mean... 
I just move around when I worship. I love to move around, but that doesn't make me a deeper worshiper than you because we worship with our spirit and we worship with our mind and sometimes it comes out in our body and that's why we see words in the Bible like dance and lift your hands and all that kind of stuff. But don't judge a person by their volume and don't judge a person by their bodily movements. And don't look at somebody and go, <laughs> don't look at somebody and go, he doesn't worship as well as that guy over there. He doesn't worship as much as me. Or he <laughs> his worship isn't toward you. You, have, you don't know anything about his worship. His worship is to God. To God. You know, Jim, he's sitting up here, old Baptist guy sitting up here. I stand up there, I looked over there at him this morning, he's got a little jiggle in his walk, you know, during worship this morning. Been hanging around that mime team. Amen. But, but it, it is the mind in worship, it is the heart primarily, but, but it'll just kind of come out in your body sometimes, amen? And usually personality plays into how you worship. How you worship. But when you discern and you get a deeper knowledge of the scriptures, your worshiping is no longer shallow. Your worship is no longer based on emotion and feeling. It's based on what you know. So discernment is very, very important to having a rich worship life, a full worship life. Discernment will give greater impact to your life and testimony because you'll bring the word of God to bear upon every circumstance in the lives of people you influence. So the more of the word of God you know, the more you uh, bring that out in the way you live, the way you talk in your everyday life, your outside of church life. You all do know you're ambassadors of the Lord, not just here, but especially when you're not here. And you need a knowledge of Scripture so you walk in confidence. You need to pray that God will give you discernment so that when you run into something that is deceptive or error, that you will be able to stay calm and stay strong and speak to that when God wants you to. It bears on your life discernment. Discernment will make you a more effective teacher. How many teachers we got here? Don't be ashamed. You teach the Bible. God bless you. It'll make you a better teacher. It'll make you a better preacher if that's what God's called you to do. Discernment will profoundly enrich your own life because living in the truth truth, and living out the truth brings the flood of God's blessings in your life. You know, I, I'm amazed sometimes that people are amazed. I have people come up to me and they're just amazed. They're confused. You know, I just, you know, I, I listen to you preach, Pastor, and I just don't have those blessings in my life. So I do a little evaluation thing. You doing this? Well, no. Well, you know, I preached on this, did a whole series. Are you, are you kind of working on that area? No. Tell them I said, hey. Are you, are you, you know, are you doing personal Bible study? Are you praying? Are you, mm-mm. And you're surprised you don't have victory? And you're surprised God isn't working in your life? And you're surprised that you keep battling with the same stuff over and over and over and can't get freedom from it? Really? You're surprised? Really? You're surprised. So discernment enriches you. And it brings the blessings of God in your life. How in the world do we think we're going to ignore the Bible, ignore prayer, ignore serving God, ignore, you know, being involved in building the kingdom and think we're going to walk in the richest blessings of God. You're just not going to do it. You're not going to do it. <laughs> Sorry about this little cough. So getting discernment or not is based on one question. How bad do you want it? What level of passion do you have for gaining more discernment? How important is it to you? See, I, I look at people all the time and they're working very, very hard to achieve scholastically. They're working very, very hard to achieve musically. They're working very, very hard to, to achieve economically and athletically. And they'll work on all that. Listen, listen, let me tell you something. All those things, scholastically, musically, economically, athletically, can I just say something to you? All that's going to pass away. 
We spend, so, we spend so much time working on stuff that's just here for a little tiny time and very little time developing the areas of our life that deal with our eternity. Can I just, y'all remember my little illustration about eternity? So you, here's the beginning of time, and then you just, there's a line that goes, you know, through the wall and, Let's see, where are we? Goes through Fremont. Goes through Wilson. Goes around the earth. Comes back around and hooks back in. That's eternity. And the time you're on the earth, if you put it on that line, see that? Y'all see that? And we put so much emphasis on making it big down here. Help us focus on eternal things. If you're, content, if you're content with a minimal knowledge of truth, if you're content with a sloppy theology, if you're content to pursue the deep things or not to pursue the deep things of God and not to pursue the glories of his truth, then I promise you, you won't get them because they're not sitting on the surface. You gotta dig for them. You gotta dig for them. So you gotta desire it. Now, I have very good news for you. Point one is the longest point. Point two, not only desire it, but you got to pray. Pray for it. We already talked about that just a little bit, but he talks about it here in Proverbs 2. Remember, we're in Proverbs 2. He says in Proverbs 2, 3 through 5, for, what's that second word? For, if, if is a big little word. It means there are conditions attached to this promise. If you cry for discernment. What does cry for discernment mean? Pray for it. If you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. There's that big little word again. If you seek, and and ladies, look what God calls wisdom. Her. (laughs) Look what God calls understanding. Look what God calls discernment. Look what God calls wisdom. If you seek her, I knew you girls would love that. Because y'all got it, don't you? That's what Millie was telling me. (laughs) So if you seek her, here it is again, as people seek for silver and search for, there it is again, girls, her as for hidden treasures, then, if you do this, and if you do this, then, this is what God will do, then God will give you discernment. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord, and then you will discover the knowledge of God. People go, I tell you, man, I just can't understand the Bible. You ain't reading it, bruh. Because your little two-year-old will get that one right there. Mm, That might be a little young, but anyway. Second grader, how about that? So becoming a discerning Christian starts with a burning desire. Then the desire turns into action. You cry out, Lord, I want to understand your word so that I may know truth from error. Here's some things to ask God for. Ask God to give you more passion. We already talked about that desire. Ask God to give you a hunger, a hunger. How many of you understand hunger? Bojangle. We understand, we really don't understand hunger, you know, unless we've been on like a five-day fast or something like that. We really don't know what hunger is. But we understand the desire for food, and we understand that when we get hungry enough, it's all we think about. Did you know God can put that same hunger in you for him and his word if you will ask for it? You will cry out for it. Did you know you can ask him to help you understand the Bible? I don't read the Bible. I hear this all the time. I don't read the Bible because I just don't understand it. Well, first of all, first of all, there's just too many helps out there for you not to understand it. There are just too many tools out there. That, that don't wash, man. I just don't understand the King James Version. Well, put King Jimmy right here. And then right beside, put, put right beside King Jimmy, King Seth, 
cutting edge right there. It's contemporary. And then right beside King Jimmy put um, the New Living Translation. And if you want a real good study, if you're, if you're new in your study of the Bible, put your King James right here, put your New Living Translation, and when you buy your New Living Translation Bible, buy it in the life application version because here's what happens. At the top of that, you've got the Scripture, and at the bottom, you've got notes telling you the deeper things about the Scripture above it. Good stuff. I tell you what, if you'll do that, you'll know more than most preachers know, because I've heard a lot of preachers preach who really need to study the Bible. Amen. So you ask God to help you understand. Ask God to reveal wisdom to you. Ask God to help you find those who can teach you correctly and lead you to spiritual maturity. Hang around people who have discernment. You say, well, I would, but I just don't know any. What are we preaching on right here? Ask God. Do you think that if you're really, really, really hungry to know the Bible, that God is not going to send the teacher? If you're really, really hungry to know the Bible, God's going to send the teacher. He's going to send the small group. He's going to send the information that you need. If you want to get in some good stuff, get Chuck Swindoll. Buy his books. Buy, buy, uh, buy, his, buy Chuck Swindoll's book. I'm reading a book by him right now called the, the Church Awakening. Church Awakening. It's awesome. There's good stuff out there. So ask him to help you hang around people. Help, ask him to help you know people who know how to respond to heresies and hypocrisies. People who know how to identify error and understand the subtleties. Because Satan's subtle. He never looks like himself when he comes to you, does he? He always looks like an angel of light. He always looks like a little lamb. But he's really a wolf in sheep's clothing. One of the great experiences of your Christian life is to be around discerning people. Um, these people, these, these people who have discernment, who function in our body here at Whitley Church, they're our watchdogs. They're the watchdogs of the church. They see things I don't see. They come to me and say, Pastor, just want to let you know about some teaching that is getting really popular in a lot of churches that's not correct. And I just want to, I'm sure it's going to, you're going to hear somebody in our church talk about how awesome it is and, and just want you to know that just be, be ready for that. I thank God for these watchdogs in our church. Don't you? Amen. Hebrews 5.14. But solid food is for the mature who because, look at this, because of practice have their senses trained, equipped to discern good and evil. That's awesome right there. So the, the writer here in Hebrews is saying that a, a good strategy, a wise strategy for becoming a discerning follower of Jesus is to find mature people who have been around a while and who have their senses trained for discernment. Let me give you a, another uh, one right here and then we'll move on. If you're here and you're looking for a church, you're, you're church shopping, kind of looking around, seeing where God wants you to be, it may not be here. It may not be at Whitley Church. It may be somewhere else. God may need you more somewhere else or, or want to put your gift at, at work somewhere else. We hope it is here. We pray it's here, but it may not be. Here's what you want to make sure of, though, is that you find a church that discerns, that is a discerning church. Or, or unless he has called you with the gift of discernment to bring some discernment into an undiscerning church, that would be a unique situation. But when you're choosing a church, you need to choose a church that loves truth. That loves truth. Third thing, one word, spirit. So we've said desire, prayer. Number three, spirit, which is what kind of spirit? The Holy Spirit, of course. To become a discerning Christian means that you have to depend on the Holy Spirit. So it's not just being, this is important, it is not just being a student. It is not just being a student of the word, but we welcome the teacher who wrote the Bible, who wrote the book. I want to let y'all know I do have a Bible. We want to invite him to teach us. Yes, we sit under Pastor Farrell. Yes, we may sit under a connect group teacher. Yes, we may come to 101, 201, 301, 401, our discipleship classes. Yes, you may be in a Bible study in your community or in your neighborhood. But ladies and gentlemen, you need to take the Bible and seek the great teacher who is the Holy Spirit. 
to speak to you out of the word of God. Now, I want you to write this passage down. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but I'm just going to pull out a couple of verses. Write this down. 1 John 2, 18 through 29. And I want you to study that when you get home. Because here, John is talking about false teachers. He says in verse 1, he says, In the last days, the Antichrist will come. Y'all remember we did the last days series? Say yes. Thank you. Some of you are out there going, no, I don't remember that. And we talked about the Antichrist. We did two sermons on the Antichrist. He says the Antichrist is coming. He said, but I want you to know in 1 John 2, 18 and verse 18, he says, but I want you to know that there are Antichrists now. There are false teachers now. And that we must be able to discern them. In verse 19, I love what he says there. He says, they used to be with us. But they left us. And the reason they left us is because they never were really with us. They came as a tool of the enemy to bring division in the house of God. How many of y'all know that happens? How many of you know people come into Whitley Church with their own agenda and it is not from God? How many of you know that they do this, but they sound very spiritual? And they sound very godlike. But you kind of pick up, you know, they're talking to you, everything looks right, everything sounds right, everything looks perfect, but in the back of your head, you hear warning, warning, warning. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Don't point. But look what it says in verse 20, and that's the verse I want to show you. But you, as a believer, have been anointed. You have been anointed. Yes, there is a scholastic uh, theologian, theological process of getting the books out and with your mind desiring the knowledge of God, but do not leave out the Holy Spirit because I know from, from uh, experience that you can be in Bible college and get away from God. You can be in Bible college studying the Bible every day and move away from God if you don't include the Spirit of God as your primary teacher. Anybody out there this morning? Amen. He says, you have been anointed. Now, when you look at that word anointed by, it means you hold a sacred appointment. I like that. You've been given an unction. Our, our, our preaching teacher when I was in Bible college, he would say, boys, you got to preach with unction. He said, I don't really know what unction is. I just know when you ain't got it. You heard preachers like that? You're like, you know, I don't want to up with that guy. He just ain't got no unction. That's bad English, but good preaching. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all know the truth. Look at what that verse says. You, you all know all things. When you've been anointed by the Holy One, you know all things, or you all know the truth. See, he is our truth teacher. The Holy Spirit is the truth teacher. Now, we could read all of this. It's a long passage, but I want to go to verse 27. This is not going to be on your screen, but um, as, you are, as you are going through this passage in 1 John 2, 18 through 29, I want you to focus on verse 27. Watch what it says. Listen to verse 27. But as for you, the anointing which you received from him abides permanently in you so that when you have no need that anyone instruct you. In other words, if, you're, if you just got your Bible and the Holy Spirit, you're all right. Now, other teachers and other books and other helps and all of that are very, very important. But do you remember when Paul was in prison and he was cold and he wrote a letter and he said to Timothy, have Mark, who, who earlier uh, Paul had rejected Mark because Mark had kind of gotten homesick on a mission trip and gone back home. Y'all remember that story? And so Paul had kind of kind of uh, dis, uh, that's not in your Bible, dis, but he kind of dissed Mark, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so later, who believed in Mark and who stuck with him? Who? 
Barnabas, exactly. You know, it's Paul and Barnabas. And then Mark kind of got homesick or he had a girlfriend or something, went back home right in the middle of a mission trip and he ticked Paul off. How many of y'all know Holy Ghost filled people can get ticked off? And so Paul's all ticked off and so they go to go on their next trip and Barnabas goes, let's take Mark again, let's give him another chance. Paul goes, no, sir. No, sir. See, we think of Paul as being this super, super Christian. Paul, I don't think he had the gift of mercy. I'm not sure. <laughs> but Paul was like, no, sir, no, sir. We're not taking Mark. No, sir. So Barnabas, they, how many of you know Christians can disagree and even go their own way and still love each other? We better learn that right there. And so Barnabas and Paul went their separate ways, and Barnabas took Mark, and Paul went with Silas, exactly. Well, we don't hear much about Barnabas. We don't hear much about Barnabas after that. But boy, do we hear about Mark. Because when I opened my Bible to the second book in the New Testament, this young preacher that Paul didn't want to give another chance to ends up being a writer of one of the books of the Bible. And in Paul's old age in prison, right before he dies, he writes a letter to Timothy and says, tell Mark to bring me my coat because I'm cold. And bring my Bible. It's in your Bible. Tell him to bring me a coat because I'm cold and bring my Bible. God, give us a love for truth like that. So he goes on there, John, he says, but just as his anointing teaches you concerning everything and is true and there's no falsehood, so you must abide in, live in him, never depart from him, being rooted in him and knitted to him. This is from the Amplified. You need that Bible too, so write that down and go spend all your money on Bibles this week. This is out of the Amplified Bible. He says, he says, be rooted in him and knitted to him just as his anointing has taught you. See, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is essential to you getting all the juice out of a verse. So important. Let's move on. Final one, final one. So the one who gave us the truth teaches us the truth. He's resident in us. He's the truth teacher, lives in us. Finally, you've got to study the Bible. You've got to study. I'm going to tell you something right now. God is not going to reveal anything to a lazy person. There's nothing that makes me feel a little bit nauseous more than somebody who I know doesn't know a thing in the world about the Bible, but they're always getting a word from God. Can I preach? Now, they all come to second service, so work with me here. God, I believe God does give people a word, but he's going to give people a word who know the word. God doesn't reveal stuff to lazy folks. Study your Bible. Turn off. Man, that was awesome what Kathy said. She went over a whole list of stuff we need to turn off. Amen? And turn this on. So study, if we want to be a discerning Christian, we've got to diligently study scriptures. You remember Acts 17, when Paul and Silas came into the Berean camp and they preached and the Bereans loved on them and everything, but then the Bereans took their sermon notes and put them right beside the Bible and said, let's see if they're preaching the Bible. And they evaluated them. You remember what Ronald Reagan said about the, uh, about the Russians, trust but verify. I'm glad you love me. I'm glad you trust me. But always verify everything I preach in this house, whether it's in the Word of God or not. If it's not in the Word of God, y'all need to have a meeting with me. Amen? If I bring in a teacher who's, who's a false teacher, y'all need to say, uh, Pastor, you can't do that no more. You need to know more about people you bring in. David loved the Scriptures. The longest chapter in the Bible. Who knows the longest chapter in the Bible? Psalm 119. I, knew, I figured somebody was going to say, whatever Pharaoh Hardison wrote is the longest one. Yeah. <laughs> longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119. It is written by David, and he talks all about his love for the Bible. 
His love for the Bible. The whole, the longest chapter in the Bible is all about the Bible. So what does that tell you? Tells you the importance of it. David pours out his love for the truth all through Psalm 119. That isn't the only place he talks about it. He talks about it all through Psalms and all of his writings, but he dedicates Psalm 119. There's 176 verses in there. It does sound like one of my sermons, don't it? So as you study the Word of God and expose yourself to the Word of God and pray over the Word of God and have passion for the Word of God and depend on the Holy Spirit to teach you the Word of God, you will become a discerning Christian. And what looks like God but isn't God and what smells like God but isn't God and what speaks like God but isn't God and what gives forth word like God but it isn't God, you will know it before anybody else does. That's not God. And you will become a watchdog for the church. God will be blessed and honored by your faithfulness to his truth. You'll be able to worship him in the highest and purest form because you'll know more about him. You'll know more about his glory. The more of his truth you know, the greater will be your worship, the greater will be your ministry, the greater will be your witness, the greater will be your joy. See, when we think about discernment, we think discernment kind of turns you into a uh, cosmic killjoy. I mean, you're walking around, you know, with a, a furrowed brow going, that is not true. Here's what Paul says in Philippians 1.9. And I want to leave this with you as we close. Paul says, this I pray. I want you to discern. I want you to be a student of the word. I want you to know the truth. I want you to stand up against lies. I want you to protect the truth from error. I want you to do all that. But I want your love to be evident and abound still more I know churches that are all about discernment and all about the truth. But sometimes they get mean. Y'all ever been to a church like that? And all they can do is kind of stand up in the pulpit and talk about how they have a, a monopoly on the truth at that church. And what that morphs into is if you're not here at this church and you're not listening to this preaching and you're not going to church here, you're not even in church. And you get this spiritual elitism that's pride and God hates it. And you become like those Pharisees that stood around and nitpicked everything Jesus said. We don't want to be that. We don't want to be that. We want to know truth, preach truth, declare truth, be courageous about truth. But we want above all the things that are said about Whitley Church, we want love to be the thing everybody sees. Because God is love. He's love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a church that lets me preach what you put in my heart. Help us to desire you. Help us to become people of prayer. Help us to become people who depend on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. For that is you. That's you, God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God, give us a passion to study. Study the Word of God. Get the necessary tools and study your Word. That we might become loving and discerning. Discerning and loving. That will make us powerful. That will make our church powerful if we are discerning and loving, loving and discerning. My question today is for those who haven't yet received you and they really might have gone through this message going, man, I'm not even close to any kind of discernment. I'm not really even close to being a student of the word yet. I'm trying to figure out whether I even want to be a follower of Jesus. I'm trying to figure out whether I even believe the Bible or not. I mean, I'm just here. I don't really know why I'm here. I would speak to that person this morning, Lord. 
And I would say to that seeker who hasn't decided for you yet, I would encourage him. I would encourage her today to say, Jesus, no more running. No more excuses. You died for me. You rose from the dead for me. I receive you as my Savior. As a matter of fact, let's pray that together. Right there where you are. Right there where you're sitting. Whether you're a Christian or whether you haven't yet decided, let's decide. Let's decide right now. Let's decide I'm going to follow Jesus today. Everybody pray out loud. Dear God, you sent your son. He willingly came, died on a cross in my place, paid for my sins. They buried him to forget him. But three days later, he rose from the dead. I understand he did it all for me. No more running, no more excuses. Lord Jesus, risen from the dead, come into my life, into my heart. My sin offends you. Wash it away with your precious blood. Today, I follow you. I turn my back on sin, self, and Satan. And I follow you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for that prayer today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer today, will you do something for me? You just, as a testimony of faith, just slip your hand up and put it right back down. God bless you, bless you, bless you. Hands everywhere, hands everywhere. Now with heads bowed, now listen to me for just one more minute and then I'm gonna let you go. Now the commitment you made today, you gotta build on that. We have packets of information we want you to pick up when you leave here. If you have a friend you're praying for, pick up a packet for your friend at the back of the sanctuary in the overflow to your right when you turn around. Go back there and pick that up. Listen to the CD. There's a Bible in there for you. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Everybody watch me. Everybody look up. We have something precious here at our church. We have a, a body of believers who want the truth. And we need to be thankful for that and protect it. If you're here for the first time, we just love you. We're so glad you're here. We're praying God's will for you. But even if you don't come back or you end up in church somewhere else, that doesn't matter. It's about the kingdom. It isn't about Whitley Church. Pick up your gift before you leave if you're here for the first time. If you raised your hand, pick up one of our packets over here on this side. Or if you have a friend you're praying for and you want to get a packet, pick up one for them and take it to them that they might come to know Jesus. We're going to hang around up here at the front. I'll be up here. Our prayer team will be up here. Anyone who would like to be prayed for for sickness or some issue that you're dealing with. If you have questions about schedules and time, don't bring those up here. Go to the Connect Center and ask those ladies out there and they'll help you. This is a time for, for ministry around the altar. We're so glad you're here today. Can we just give God a praise? What a great day today. Bless you guys.